You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. you feel like your team was ready today to win this game? Yeah, I felt like they were ready, Brian. Yep, I felt like they were ready. Just didn't, didn't end up being that way, I guess. So there you go. Bill O'Brien says he felt like his team was ready for this game. He says they were. Well, we're about to have that discussion as the Texans lose to the Titans on a last-minute field goal, 20-17 to the final. They fall to 0-2, and there are some major question marks after this one. Welcome aboard, everybody. Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk Podcast, along with co-host Brian Patterson, who is coming to us from Nashville for this one. He had... A close-up look at this mess. Brian from Fansided's HouseofHouston.com, of course. And thanks for diving into Locked On Texans, your best daily source of Texans news, views, and interviews. Like I said, we do this daily. And Brian, before this game even started, we found out Jadavian Clowney's back and elbow injuries were more serious than the Texans let on because... He didn't play, but that didn't mean he didn't play a major role in this game. Spoiler (laughs) alert, spoiler alert. Uh, Meanwhile, the Titans were down to their fourth and fifth string offensive tackle. Taylor Lewan, concussion, Jack Conklin, knee injury, Dennis Kelly, last minute virus that put him in the hospital. And then Mariota's hand injury forces him to sit out. So they're down to Blaine Gabbert. Brian, this should have been an easy win. And yet the Texans look like they forgot what time the game started for the second week in a row. Things looked a lot better in the second half. Starting out in the first half, you know, we we looked at the Deshaun Watson fumble, you know, uh, him throwing, uh, you know, an interception. Gerald Casey being able to get to him uh, in terms of uh, putting a lot of pressure. Deshaun faced immense pressure, and I was expecting that, especially from Jarrell Casey uh, as well. So, you know, it was a really rough, uh, you know, first half. But you know, it ends with the, uh, the you know the DeAndre Hopkins catch. It looks like a kind of a a slant that goes up through the middle and he goes out there and he gets a touchdown. So we're riding high going into halftime and we kept that momentum. But yeah, the game was starting out was very, very shaky. And I thought it was going to be a very long day um, in terms of the battle of the two coaches, Mike Vrabel and uh, Bill O'Brien. Yeah, let's talk about that because Vrabel looked like he knew the Texans playbook and I I guess he did. But you know, we're talking about a first time coach that was without his starting quarterback and he just totally outcoaches Bill O'Brien. And right now, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it, if you're a Texans fan, you're going, this team is going nowhere with Bill O'Brien. There, there is more talent than uh, Bill O'Brien is coaching this team to, to victories. They're, they're 0-2 now. I mean, you seriously have to look that, look, this team is in major trouble. It's, it's 0-2. They're last in their division. Uh, everybody right now in the division is looking better than the Texans. And it, it was everything. It was you talked about it. It's uh, turnovers a- again. They they have the ridiculous turnovers by Deshaun Watson, who's taking chances that he shouldn't be taking. I mean, what what happened, Brian, to the Deshaun Watson that we saw last year? It looks like he's taking forever to get rid of the ball. He's making bad decisions. He's throwing into double coverage uh, unnecessarily. There were times where. Uh, you you can blame it on the offensive line at a couple points early in the game, but as the game went on, this was about Deshaun Watson hanging onto the ball too long again at times. Uh, he wasn't seeing the field well. We saw open receivers. When he throws it, I don't know if you remember this, but when he throws it in a double coverage to DeAndre into the end zone and it's intercepted mm-hmm. early in the game, 
you know, on the other side of the field was Will Fuller, who had man coverage. So you mm-hmm. you throw it to Will Fuller in the end zone. You don't throw it to DeAndre Hopkins there. It was obvious that DeAndre uh, was there, and I, I get it. He's DeAndre Hopkins, and you think he's Superman or whatever, but Will Fuller has got his man behind him. He's in the end zone. Why not give him a shot? And, I mean, for goodness sakes, uh, the, the one huge positive on the offensive end, well, there's a couple of positives, but was Will Fuller. I mean, he had nine targets, you know, eight receptions. He doesn't drop the ball anymore. That was the big, you know, thing with him. We're talking about nine targets, eight receptions, 113 yards, the touchdown, an incredible catch. But, you know, we, we could talk about Bill O'Brien, but also Deshaun Watson, I don't know what's happened to him. I mean, this looks like a guy who is starting his rookie year and last year looked like it was a second year, third year veteran player. I don't know what's wrong with Deshaun, but both him and O'Brien look like they forgot that the season started. It's just a difference of, you know, those seven games, you know, teams did not have time to react to Deshaun Watson. They didn't even know that that he was going to be playing all that much, uh, you know, because Tom Savage was named the starter. They were preparing for Tom Savage. They had a little bit of tape on Tom Savage, but Deshaun Watson just comes in on the scene. So teams have figured out and they have studied and, you know, the blueprint as far as how to stop Deshaun Watson, how to keep him corralled. Now, he was able to get loose in the second half have but this is all a matter of those seven games you know not being able to react but with the whole offseason being able to break down every facet of Deshaun Watson's game this is what's helped teams as well now Mike Vrabel would know because he was you know on the coaching staff he's going to know the most effective ways uh to stop uh, Deshaun but, but is, is it is it them figuring it out or is it just Deshaun getting rid of the ball I mean he was getting rid of the ball quicker last year he was more accurate with when he threw the passes. I mean, Deshaun just looks like everything is brand new to him. And I, you know, you could say, well, this is the defense reacted to him, but you see open receivers. You saw them last week. You know, I, I don't have the all 22 view at home, but I still saw there was open receivers that he was missing at times. Um, I, I just don't understand it. And one of the things that he's doing is by holding the ball so long, he's making this offensive line even look worse than it is. I mean, I, there's so much that you hear when you, you know, from the fans and uh, from media and from everybody that's saying, oh, the offensive line stinks. Uh, Deshaun has got to get rid of the ball. I mean, I, I think, and Brian, you correct me if I'm wrong, if you saw this on Pro Football Focus, but I think he took the second longest of any quarterback in the NFL last week in getting rid of the football. And this week, it didn't seem like it was any different. And, you know, to me, whether this is Deshaun or O'Brien, somebody needs to do something as far as, okay, let's just give them some quick, easy, like slants and stuff to get rid of the ball quickly early in the games and make him have to make some quick decisions instead of, you know, these long drawn out patterns, there's just too much of that. I mean, I, I, I love the fact that he wants to make the big play every time, but there are times where you just got to go, okay, let's get five yards, you know, let's dump it down. Let's not uh, put this sort of emphasis on the offensive line. That's young and learning their positions. 
with Deshaun Watson, you know, the the situation with him is, and especially it was detrimental at the end of the game. There's just a lot of situations that he hasn't been in before, and he's trying to figure out what does he do. You could say that, you know, in his last game, that he was healthy last season against the Seahawks in 2017, that, you know, the final ticks were going down the clock, and, you know, he was figuring things out as well. That's probably about the closest he's had to be in a game-time situation where he needed a big strike to try to go out and at least win the game, which I'm wondering, why didn't we just at least try to get in the field goal range? Let Fairbairn kick it. Let's go in overtime and, and battle this out. That's another thing, you know, we can go back to Bill O'Brien about, but uh, he, he just, he sat there and the clock was just ticking. And I don't know if he was just trying to see who was open or how things were going to materialize, but you know, we were time poor and you've got to go out there and, uh, and make those uh, quick decisions. So in terms of your question that you ask, you know, is it all about defenses figuring them out? You know, I would have to say that it, at least 60% of that is what it is. And 40% it's, it's on Deshaun. He looks a little different out there. He looked tentative, like he was scared to make the big play, at least in the first half. But then things started rolling in the second half, but uh, still, you know, it, it's just not the guy that we saw uh, last season through those seven games. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to disagree with you, and I, and I want to get into this very shortly about that last drive and what he did on on the final play. But uh, first of all, just got to tell everybody about our two new shows on the Locked On Network, Locked On Fantasy Football 24-7. It gives you the latest waiver wire suggestions and injury news. We've also got Locked On Fantasy Football, which is Loaded with amazing expert guests every day. Monday, it's Tom Kessenich. Tuesday, Eric Edholm. Wednesdays, Jeff Ratliff and Tyler Lechner. Subscribe to our two new Locked On Fantasy football shows. Don't forget, we've got our fantasy expert as well uh, every week, Andy Rio, coming on later this week. So you want to catch him, too, if you're a fantasy football fan. And speaking of uh, fantasy and you know spreads and betting and all, all that kind of stuff, uh, Brian, we got to talk about my bookie because if you're a fan of betting, uh, maybe that you figured out what the Texans are going to be this week, and maybe it's time for you to start betting for or against the Texans. Uh, who knows? But uh, if you're going to bet for or against the Texans, where are you going to go, Brian? You know what? You're right, Rob. You know what? Ever since I started Locked on Texans, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. The truth is, I don't know who's going to win, but if you think now, check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they're your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. I would only recommend a service that's been good to me. That's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. They have in-game live betting, over-unders on fantasy points scored, and the most rewarding player perks in the business. My bookie is slammed with new bettors and wants to give everyone the best service possible. If you're willing to deposit after 6 p.m. Central Time, they'll give you an additional $25 in free play and deposits over $100. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. Use promo code LOCKDOWN to activate the offer. Visit my bookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKDOWN when creating your account to claim up to $1,000 in free play. That's right, $1,000. 
If you're willing to hold on until after 6 p.m., you can get an extra $25 free play by using promo code LOCKDOWN25. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take the extra money. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, Brian, let's get into that last sequence of plays with the Texans. You got uh, maybe a minute left to go on the clock. Again, Deshaun taking too much time to get rid of the ball. You know, you got to make quick decisions. And then there's 17 seconds left on the clock. I don't know what you thought they should do right there, but my guess is with no timeouts, the odds of them getting 15 yards down the field and then you know, getting that quickly, and then you've got to get lined up and throw the ball into the ground. It's going to be real tough right there. So I thought that Deshaun should have just taken off and run. And I, I thought that before the play even started. I thought, okay, they're, they're going to make sure that he doesn't get anything big down the field. They're going to be covering for that 10 or 15 yards. He's going to have some running room, Brian. So I thought, why not wait a couple of seconds, let everybody get down the field a little bit, and then just let Deshaun use his athletic ability, run to the sideline. That was going to take, you know, five, six, you know, with his speed, that's going to take five, six, seven seconds. And you're going to get into field goal range uh, with the chance to, to tie the game and, and take the game into overtime. I, 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 that, that was what I would do if I was Deshaun. And instead, he does the worst thing that he can do. He takes all the time off the clock and then throws it to the middle of the field. I mean, and, uh, you know, again, this is about the brains of the team, your quarterback and your head coach. And both of them have some major, major issues. <laughs> and, and I think that's what the Texans were, you know, the Titans were expecting that the Texans were going to do that, try to play on the edges of the field to try to keep that clock from running down. And, um, you know, it was probably surprising to him that, you know, to Mike Vrabel that it, it wasn't done. And then Mike Vrabel, you know, purposely just, you know, wanted to take off some extra seconds, you know, try to put it on the Texans, see if they could try to get something done with one minute to go. So, you know, it, it was looking good at first, but then all of a sudden when it got down to those final seconds, we were just waiting and waiting and waiting for something to happen. And he was just standing there just looking. It, it was like watching things go in slow motion. And then, you know, lo and behold, he makes a, a Hail Mary. And then all of a sudden, you know, game over. And uh, that's the whole situation with this. So the best we can get out of this is that this is really Deshaun Watson's rookie season, you know, because he is getting all kinds of scenarios. He's getting uh, starting out in week one and it's, it's just going to be a learning experience. It's, it's hard. It's hard, Brian, because it's like you say it's his rookie season, but you know, he has gone through an entire full season of just not only playing, but being on the sidelines, but we've seen him play so much better, make so much quicker, so many more quick decisions. Uh, Look at the field better. See, see open receivers better. Um, throw the ball away when he needs to throw it away. Throw it short when he's... I mean, he was doing... It seemed like he was doing all of those things last year. And this year, it's like it's all gone. It's like he forgot everything that he learned. And it's almost like... I, I feel like, you know, OB and M need to get together and get on the same page and just start from square one. Okay, beginning of the game, let's get some quick passes. Let's get the, Let's get things going or whatever. But now it's like you're, you know, it's like they, the Texans that waited to start the season three games into the season or something like that. Maybe, maybe we're just going to see this every single game. I mean, the, the Giants next week that might not be super easy. I mean, you know, I, I, I don't know. I just I don't understand what's happened with with Deshaun Watson. But 
you know, it, it's not just O'Brien. It, it, it is Deshaun Watson. And to me, it's, it's really on those two guys more than anything. I mean, you know, I, I think people are going to point fingers at the offensive line. People are going to point some fingers at the special teams, which we can talk about. We, I guess we could go back to Brian. But, I mean, look, this is – it's back to those two guys. I mean, this is what it's, this is what it's about. And if, if they can't get things squared away in a hurry – I mean, this season falls apart, and you could say, well, 0-2, they're probably not going anywhere now. But, Brian, we talked about it before the season. They got the easiest schedule in the NFL. You know, the Patriots are gone. You're not playing the Patriots again. Uh, you're going to get the Titans again. You can beat this. This is not should not be a difficult game. They should have beat the Titans. They beat them in pretty much every category in this game. You know, what, what do you want to talk about? First downs, yard. I mean, they beat them in so many of the categories. You look at the final stats. There was 21 first downs by the Texans, 15 by Tennessee. Total net yards, 437. Total for Tennessee, 283. Uh, average yard per game, 7 yards. Tennessee, 5 yards per game. Rushing, 148. Tennessee, 100. Passing yards, 289. Uh, passing yards for Tennessee, 183. Uh, one big problem, though, or two big problems where you lost you got more in two things you don't want more of penalties 11 for 88 yards and turnovers one turnover to zero and and that turnover was a big turnover because if Deshaun Watson just holds onto the ball maybe throws it away maybe makes a short pass whatever you're in field goal range and there and there was another drive where uh if he wouldn't have gone for the big play down the field and just would have hit something short if nothing else, he could have gotten field goal range and you could have gotten a couple field goals. And that's it. That's the difference in the ball game, right there. Two things I want to say about that. And, you know, totally understandable where you're going there. But it's it's number one, Mike Vrabel's a better coach when time is a factor in time poor situations. He knows how to think critically there. But here's what Deshaun Watson said about, you know, the whole play. You know, this is quoted from Aaron Wilson. He says, of course, you can sit back and sit in your seats and say, I need to throw the ball away, but I'm trying to take a shot. I don't have any timeouts, and they guarded the sideline very well. So that goes to show me he is trying to make the big play. He's not going conservative and say, we're just going to get to field goal range and try to duke this out in overtime. As I suggested, he wants to make the big play, and no one's going to stop him from that. Well, no, no, no. So- he, he, wa- he wants to get in field goal range, so he can, He knows he needs to get in field goal range. But, you, you, you I mean, that's, that's all well and good, but you, there, the time was going to run out, and you're throwing the ball in the middle of the field, 30 yards down the field. You, you you got to throw it up top for a touchdown, and I don't know what what it looked like. You know the big picture there, Brian. I don't know if you saw it. If they had anybody in the end zone that he could throw the ball to, but but that was your choice. And to me, to me, like I said, he's he could just you run for it. If you're Deshaun Watson, there was room. If you looked at the if you looked at it when he he, he scrambled at the very beginning of that play. There was nobody there. He could have. He had room to run. There, the, the, the defenders, uh, the offensive line had him. There was like only three or four guys rushing the passer. So he had a lane. He could have gone down the sideline. You, you get 12, 13 yards, you're at least in field goal range. And like I said, you got to get out of bounds because I don't know if there's time, even if you do a quick pass, but if you go 10, 15 yards down the field on a quick pass with 17 seconds to get that and to get everybody to the line of scrimmage quickly and, and to spike the ball... It's not going to happen. So to me, he either needs to run for it or you throw it down for a touchdown if you if you don't see anything in that first few seconds, if you don't see anything really, really, really quickly. It looked like that's where he was going with it. But then all of a sudden he stopped and then, yeah, and then I don't know what the hell he was doing. And then he threw it 
And of course, you know, that was a ball game uh, right there. So, you know, he's he's looking to make that big play. I, I think he was trying to win the game. He wasn't trying to, to, to get in the field goal range as you as you suggested. That would have been the more conservative thing to do. And I think that would have been smart with the way this team had been with the mishaps they had on offense today. I totally agree. That's what should have been done. But you've got the result that you saw at the end of that game. You know, we came up empty handed, just three points shy, you know, of tying that game and possibly winning in overtime. I think we would have been able to do it. All right. I'll give some positives because I know there's some people out there. It's like, oh, well, there was some good stuff. Let's start off with J.J. Watt, Brian. Uh, he yeah. is, he's old JJ Watt. He's the old, this is, this is classic JJ Watt right now. I mean, uh, the sack tolls aren't there yet and the turnovers and everything like that, but he's all over the place and he's making his mark. This is old school JJ Watt. And at least you could say that's a positive. Yeah, um, he, he was responsible for a lot uh, out there. He was getting off his snaps uh, quickly. Um, you know, he was helping out uh, with tackles and, and whatnot. And um, and he, he was certainly responsible for when the ball, I believe it was one of the one of the running backs. Uh, it was a running play and J.J. Watt got to it. I'm trying to remember what part of the game that was. I do. I, I'm trying to recall, but uh, it, he popped it out of the guy's hands, and then there you go. If if there was a recovery that would have had, that would have been, a, you know, a turnover that we would have been able to uh, to force. But I don't know if you remember that play, but yeah, yeah he forced was, that fumble. It was late in the game. He, I think he was there on the tackle. Somebody, I, I want to say somebody else. I, I I didn't catch the number, and, and you know they they didn't really do a good job of showing the replay on that, so you could see who it was. Yeah. But I think I think somebody else might have got in. It could have been Justin Reed. I'm not sure, but somebody. Mm-hmm. Got in in there, knocked it out, and that was a big play because Zach Cunningham had a shot at the at the ball on the sideline, if you remember, and he missed it. He yeah. he dived on the ball, and the ball squirted out of bounds. I mean, look, the Texans also have had some super bad luck. You know, they they they're losing these games for for a couple of different reasons. A lot of it's their own doing, but you know they're having bad luck. Let me say, I don't think they've deserved to win either game, but you know they just have they've had some bad luck. The defense in general, Brian, look, uh, they have been fantastic for two games outside of Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson cost you two touchdowns in the first game. Outside of that, the defense has been pretty darn good. That last drive, though, with the Titans, that was a crucial one. I mean, they they couldn't stop the ball. But part of that, and and let's circle back to it because I mentioned it at the beginning of the show. Dude, Jadavian Clowney, what are you doing? What do you do yeah. when picking up a taunting penalty at that point in the game? What do you do it even over there, like close enough to bump somebody? What do you do and yell at a guy when the ref is two feet away? I mean, look, Jadavian Clowney, Brian, he is playing himself or not playing himself right into like you're, you're getting a, a franchise tag. I mean, there is no doubt right now he's looking at a franchise tag. Can't stay on the field with the injuries. Now he's doing this stupid stuff. I mean, we're, we're at the point where if the Texans, if they give him an extension at the end of this year, I think it's dumb. I think you got to give him the franchise tag. You don't know with his injuries from year to year. Uh, I think that's the safe call, especially if JJ can keep this up or keep up something resembling this and can stay healthy. You know, Jadavian Clowney is a franchise tag guy. And I tell you, another reason why I think he's a franchise tag guy uh, look out because coming behind you, who a guy who's cheap on a six round draft pick money, 
is Duke Ejiofor, who immediately makes an impact. Immediately. Has been a healthy scratch uh, throughout uh, the season, you know. But, you know, finally he was able to get his chance, you know, with, with his injury. The guy that he went Th- on throughout the, place. The se- throughout the season, you mean the one game he was in? The one the game se- that we played, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Week one against the Patriots. Well, it feels like a whole season after you've played the Patriots. You know, that game, you know, you know, it was, it was you know, stressful for me just watching it. But, you know, gets his first career sack. He was all over the field. Just, just you know putting a whole bunch of pressure, you know, at will against Blaine Gabbert. And, you know, I'm just really proud of Duke. And, and, you know, like like you said, very cheap right now. But, again, he's another guy you have to worry about his health. But it looks like so far so good with him. Well, the rookies, Justin Reed, uh, you know, playing fairly well. I mean, I I didn't see anything bad from him. Uh, There hasn't been as much of the impact plays, but Justin Reed – is, is played well and Duke edgy for those two guys. We talked at the time of the draft, they could be absolute steals. Everybody said they were absolute steals. That's looking to be the case. Let me go through some other positives. Lamar Miller, 14 carries 68 yards. Uh, his, his yards per carry is up this year. He looks faster. Quit. We talked about in the preseason. He's quicker. He lost that weight. There is no doubt. Lamar Miller looks better. Uh, Alfred blue, seven carries, 36 yards. He was he averaged over five yards a carry. The running game overall is great. You can't complain about the running game. This offensive line, there is one thing that they do well that we're seeing so far, and it's run the football. Now, uh, the passing of the football with the offensive line, it can be shaky. We saw the penalties. Uh, there was, again, Ju- how Davenport. I, Davenport. I just, yeah. Brian, this is... We're, I'm going to circle back to it. We talked about it last week. We talked about it in the preseason. I, I, I you know, I don't know how many times I got to say this. Why wasn't Julian Davenport? Why wasn't he playing more right tackle in the preseason? If you knew yeah. that if, if Chantrell Henderson goes down, then you're moving him to right tackle and you're playing ranking at left tackle, then why, 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 why aren't you playing him? some at right tackle in the preseason and he just doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look no. good at it. This is not what he's going to be in the NFL. If he is, it's going to take some time, but some guys are better on one side, left tackle or right tackle. Some guys just, you know, they, they, they have a better feel for doing that one side. Not everybody can play both positions and the Texans just feel like, well, if you can't do 14 different things at the same time, if you can't walk and chew gum and juggle and run, run and be, do that while you're on a unicycle, then, then you can't play for the Houston Texans. And it's like, no, sometimes just let a guy be great at what he's great at. We, we don't have DeAndre Hopkins playing quarterback. We got to play a wide receiver because he's great at it. Speaking of, you know, the rookies that, you know, that did well, you know, you talked about Justin Reed, but you remember in the second quarter where he forces the intentional grounding penalty on Blaine Gabbert. I mean, he was just a ball hawk on that play. I mean, I got up out of my seat on that one because, you know, it was just a, a terrific play by him. And then you, you can go with the uh, the second player, second year players here. Dylan Cole, late in the game, had a tackle for loss for two yards. You know, we forget about Dylan Cole, but he has, you know, a, a kind of a reserve role with the team right now, you know, as as guys are still being healthy, but he looked good uh, out there. And, you know, we talked about Will Fuller and how he was, you know, able to perform out there. We are not in this game without Will Fuller, and that is how much he means uh, to this team. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was a huge loss for him. We talked about that during the Patriots postgame mm-hmm. show. 
Um, let, let me get to special teams briefly because, of course, the big thing was the touchdown. I mean, that you can look at that and say that, that cost them the game. Uh, mm-hmm. They had nobody lined up out there out wide. I mean, to me, that's that's an easy one. I, I, I don't quite get what was going on with Brad Seeley and the special teams there. But look, I mean, we talk, we talk about this every single year, Brian, with the penalties on special teams. They bring in Sharice Wright and Natrell Jamison, those two guys. They're, he got a penalty. <laughs> both, of them pick, <laughs> both of them pick up a penalty. Kareem Jackson gets an illegal touch. There's th- I, counted, I think at least three penalties with those three guys on special teams. It, it doesn't seem to matter. Like, Eddie Pleasant's gone, but his, in his memory, you know, these guys are still committing special teams penalties left and right. And uh, Sharice Wright, you know, I I, kind of wanted to see what he could do at cornerback. What did you think of Kareem? Because Kareem was back at cornerback. And, you know, and and what I saw with Kareem, honestly, I just didn't think he was anything special. He was much better, though, than Kevin Johnson, admittedly. He did make a couple of nice plays. No question about it. But we didn't get a chance last this past week to talk about Sharice Wright. Uh, but this is somebody that Pro Football Focus ranked number 80 in cornerback coverage last year. And you go, ah, well, that's not, that kind of sucks. But 80 with the Texans is a vast improvement. Kareem Jackson was ranked 143rd in coverage last year as a cornerback. He's just not that good of a cornerback anymore. I'm anxious to see what Sharice Wright does there, but maybe I don't want him doing special teams anymore, Brian. What did you think of Kareem and his game on Sunday? I think he made some nice disruptions, you know, and, and that was all about the uh, the play with uh, the Blaine Gabbert. And uh, and it was one of those uh, plays where, you know, they were determining it, it was a forward pass, uh, but he cleaned it up nice. Well, he was everywhere uh, out on the field for the most part, still better than Kevin Johnson. And here's what I think about Kareem. Kareem, I don't think, liked the transition to safety. Um, he, you know, he never seemed like he wanted to embrace, you know, that change. He loves playing uh, cornerback. He loves being up closer, you know, to the action. Well, rather, he, he, but he plays. He played well when we saw him at safety. He played well. He did. He did. But I think I think he likes to play cornerback a lot better. He, again, is it his job to keep? It, it's absolutely his job to keep. And I think he's going to stay there. I don't think they're going to move him around. I think Kareem showed enough today where he's going to, he might be right back, you know, starting at cornerback along with Jonathan Joseph. Uh, but because Reed was solid today. Let me ask you this. This kind of goes back to, to Bill O'Brien. We, we, we just talked about the Davenport Martinez Rankin yeah. mess yeah. and everything Very like that. Point. And here you go again. You spend the entire offseason moving Kareem Jackson over to safety. There's one injury, one with your cornerbacks. And now you're moving Kareem Jackson, who you've spent all this time trying to make him a safety, trying to be your starting safety. And after all that, Kareem just gets moves, moved right back to cornerback. It's like there was no there's no preparation. There's no forethought. There's like I, Brian, to me, I mean, it's, it sounds cheesy, but I feel like there's some coaches that play the that play the coaching game like they're playing chess. And I think we got a checkers player with Bill O'Brien and this coaching staff. That's a very good com- comparison as well. And, you know, we, we hope, you know, <laughs> that he gets it. But again, you know, you've been with the Texans since 2014. 
and it doesn't look like it's it's getting any better. You know, every season, you know, either you know we're we're way off the mark or we're backing our way into the playoffs, and then hoping that we can com- we can perform. I want to have a season where we just go out there and just stomp on the competition, and that has not happened uh, since Bill O'Brien has been uh, head coach. I mean, we've had some decent seasons, but uh, that's about it. And of course, with the Kareem Jackson move, you kind of have to put a little of that on Romeo. I mean, did Romeo make the final call, or did Romeo suggest it, or did Bill O'Brien say maybe this is something that we need to do? But um, you know, I, I don't see any way that Kareem Jackson goes back to uh, being a safety. Maybe like on different plays, they switch him around. But I think he's going to be your cornerback. It's going to be right back to the old days because again, Justin Reed looks like he's ready. Yeah, but does Romeo say to Bill O'Brien, "Look, I just want to let you know." I don't trust any of these guys if Kevin Johnson or Jonathan Joseph gets hurt. I'm going to have to move Kareem to cornerback. So, you know, I mean, what's the what's the discussion like? Because Romeo doesn't pick who the personnel is. You know, that's a Brian Gain deal. That's obviously a Bill O'Brien. They're in alignment, remember? Big alignment. We're in alignment. Everybody's yeah. in alignment. So yeah. now that everybody's in alignment, you know, <laughs> it is firmly on UOB. And, and, and obviously it's firmly on, on Brian Gain. Uh, we're going to talk. I want to ask you, Brian, about just your uh, experience in Nashville and what that was like. But just want to remind everybody that Locked On Network is expanding with college shows coming this week Locked On Wolverines, Locked On Buckeyes, Locked On Seminoles. Uh, plus, we are already locked on to the Ducks, the Oregon Ducks, Nittany Lions, Bears, Crimson Tide, the Wildcats, Razorbacks, Volunteers, and Cougars. Uh, find your favorite college show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. So, Brian, uh, you were at the game. Uh, what was the experience like? Was this your first time going to Tennessee for a Titans game? Yes, yes, it was, and it, it long been on my list to visit Nissan Stadium. Uh, you know, just to visit the city of Nashville uh, as well. I, I've 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 been here before, but it was very quick in and out. But this was a time I, I was able to spend a few days here the weekend um, as well. So, um, what I can best say about Nashville is that there is a lot to do. This is a city that is on the move, just like Houston. Uh, plenty of growth here. A lot of tech jobs have have moved here as well. Not only service jobs, uh, not only your, your traditional uh, industrial type jobs, but uh, tech companies are moving here, a lot of headquarters uh, and whatnot. So you got a lot of people moving here. I'm seeing downtown apartment buildings springing up everywhere, kind of like I said, kind of like in Houston. But in terms of the experience at Nissan Stadium, it is open air and it is still very humid right now. So I would say it's a little less humid than Houston. You know, I wasn't sweating profusely, but I was still very hot. So, you know, I'm drinking water like crazy. But I love the vantage points of the stadium, even though, of course, it's it's outdoor. I was able to see the action. I was in the corner, you know, in the end zone right on the Texan side. Um, so I was able to see uh, quite a bit. And what I really do like in comparison to NRG is that they are on it. Their graphics team is on it with the uh, replays. So if there was a play that like I was looking at, but I really couldn't see who was involved in that play. They they get the replay up on the board quickly, and I like that because the Texans, they don't always do that. Sometimes they move to advertisers, so they move to whatever is in the schedule for you know putting up on the board. Yeah, they're really good about getting the replays up, and I was able to keep abreast of you know what just happened in front of my eyes, especially if it, it happened too quickly. 
uh, for me because it's a lot different watching it in game. And I love, by the way, I love the in game experience, but it is a little different than watching it on TV um, as well. So it Nissan Stadium is a incredible facility. It was built at the turn of the century. Um, you know, it, it is as far as you know, in comparison to NRG. Of course, it doesn't have a lid. I wish it did. But again, that's this is how football should be watched, you know, with this uh, type of environment. But uh, I, I do believe that Nashville is just an incredible city. Broadway. Broadway deserves its 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 reputation. Yeah, how, how are the fans? How are the fans? The fans are very respectful. I I, I couldn't see enough. You know, you know, I'm shaking hands. They said good game. You know, <laughs> they're still wondering how they won this game themselves. You know, that was the whole attitude. You know, with them uh, as well. But uh, you know, and there were quite a few Texans fans that made this trip. You never know with divisional rivals if you know you get the same amount of people who want to take a road trip rather than. The those games we rarely get to for teams we don't see what every four or five years but there were a lot of texans fans on this trip so i did a lot of high fives i did a lot of cheers a lot of fist bumps uh and whatnot but um, I, I can't see enough about the titans fans very very respectful um you know i'm thankful to say over the years i've been able to travel a bit to follow my texas and i still put patriots fans as far as the the worst the worst fans in terms of you know just taunting and you know being all arrogant and whatnot but they've won multiple super bowls i think what six i believe if i'm not mistaken so surprise surprise that the t- the, the patriots <laughs> fans are the worst exactly yeah it was brutal for me when i was just walking out the door and then i was 2012 when i went there that was the letterman jacket game so you, you imagine how i felt you know after that game that was awful <laughs> All right, so l- let's look ahead a little bit. I mean, you know, I-, I don't know what else to say. You know, OB has got a lot of work to do. Deshaun's got a lot of work to do uh, for next week. But can the, can the Texans uh, turn it around? Now, I thought this game should have been an easy one, and I thought they could have really made a run here because you got the Giants at home next week. Uh, the Giants are nothing special. Eli, I don't think he's quite the same quarterback as he used to be in past years uh you know i i, I think he's uh at the back at the not the back half but he's at the back you know 10 percent of his career or whatever at this point so th- you can win that game then you're at the colts uh the colts should be a winnable game although andrew luck they won this game 23 to 9 against the redskins this week you, you might have to be careful of them now th- then the cowboys that's a winnable game the buffalo bills are really bad <laughs> You got yes. that next. So you could make a run and you could be four and two. If I told you, Brian, okay, they're four and two going into, you know, game seven of this year. Are you happy? Do you feel like there's their playoff team at that point? There, there's still hope. Absolutely. And you sound like you're, you're leading to the prelude for a 30 for 30, by the way. What if I told you <laughs> if they would be four and two, you know, after six games, you know, going into uh, that amount of time. But uh, yeah, I, I would be very happy. And it's a very, very uh, possible scenario that could happen. I mean, none of these teams are jumping out the page like they're going to, to be able to do something. But, you know, they have a lot of weapons up in, New, you know, with New York as well. They're coming into town. You know, you got 
you, you've got Saquon Barkley, you got Odell Beckham Jr., but you don't have an effective quarterback. And Deshaun Watson, you know, just at, even at this stage of his career, even though he doesn't have the experience, I think that he can outduel uh, Eli Manning uh, as he gets ready to, you know, hang it up. But uh, I really do think we have a very good chance. You know, you're going to have the home crowd, uh, hopefully all riled up for Liberty Whiteout. And and hopefully that's going to be, you know, this, you know, the, the 12th man that's going to lift them out of the doldrums. Yeah, just a couple of other things on offense, because I, I want to sh- mention some things that, uh, you know, we talked about Deshaun. We talked about a little bit of the offensive line, the tackles. Uh, Senio Calamete, he doesn't read a blitz. Uh, gives up a sack on the second possession that was really bad. I mean, he didn't basically ended up not blocking anybody. And then the guy that where he was standing just kind of flies through and, and sacks Deshaun there. He also gets a clipping call on the third possession. I mean, the offensive line, the way they're communicating with each other. And again, that takes time. It's going to take time. I mean, that's the problem when you've got an entirely brand new offensive line. You know, trying to know where where stuff's coming from, who's picking up who, all that sort of stuff. Also, I, I don't want to take away some fault from Ryan Griffin, who who gets a, a holding call. I thought he missed a block on one of Deshaun. I think either got hit or sacked or something on one of those plays. Uh, Lamar Miller. I th- oh no, there's a play where Jordan Thomas should have chipped his guy, and Deshaun has to throw it away real quick, uh, and he was throwing it towards Jordan Thomas, but. You know that's a that's a young guy. It's a rookie. They're going to make that mistake, mm-hmm. and and, mm-hmm. and he should have chipped. He should have chipped this guy. If he chips this guy, it gives Deshaun enough time to do something right there. Uh, they're they're so young on offense in so many positions. We forget. Yes, Deshaun is in a second year. That's true. I still feel like he should be playing a lot better after what I saw last year. But this is a guy that's what in his. Uh, what are we talking about, Brian? This is like his eighth start. Is that right? Eighth start. Ninth. Ninth. This is ninth. This was yeah. his ninth start. So, mm-hmm. uh, there did he played in seven or, games? No, like, no, he, no, eighth because yeah, because he played seven games but started six. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, so this would be eight. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking mm-hmm. about somebody that's in his eighth start, and then you mm-hmm. got Jordan Thomas playing a lot. You got Jordan Agus, these two rookies. Uh, you got Martinez Rankin, who's a rookie. Julian Davenport is virtually a rookie. Uh, Nick Martin is in his second year, but really he hasn't even, has he started 16 games yet? I don't think so. You know, <laughs> and we've talked about Martinez ranking, you know, another, you know, bad day for him, you know, just uh, Jarrell Casey was able to get the best of him. Uh, just the best of that whole side period. Cause Kelamente uh, was also assigned to blocking him. And I can only remember one play where he effectively was able to stop him, but Casey was able to have his way on that left side. And, you know, I worry about it from day to day, you know, as far as how that's going to pan out. But, uh, you know, I, I peg, Senio is probably our least valuable player on offense right now, just with the, with the way things are going uh, because of the expectations we had out of him. Uh, so he's got to really shore it up. Yeah. That's, that's one thing I just never understood. I mean, I, I don't understand offensive line that well, and I, I'm going to work on getting somebody in here to talk about it. That, that gets a little bit, uh, there's somebody yeah. I want, we, we might have him in a couple of weeks. I'll just say that. But when you look at the offensive line play, you know, I, I said it all through the preseason. Quesenberry, you could say a lot of things, but guys didn't get by him. And occasionally guys get by Kelamete. And, and, and that's uh, not, not good when you're Deshaun Watson. 
But like I said, I, I, again, I think a lot of this blame is on Deshaun Watson, how quickly he's getting rid of the ball, you know, how long he, he just he holds and holds and holds. And he's looking for the big play every time he's looking for the home run. But it means the offensive line gets worn down. There's a better chance that he's going to get hit, uh, which he's been g- getting hit a ton, which is not good for him. Uh, and and you're you're also uh, giving up chances, maybe, like I said, to get in field goal range when you can't hit the big play. Just make the short play, at least get in field goal range, uh, give Fairbairn a shot. But yeah, it was ugh, this one uh, hurt you in a big, big way. And, and uh, the, Bill O'Brien. I don't know. You know, we, we're stuck with them right now for it looks like for at least this year, maybe next year. And I don't know how many years to come. Uh, he's going to have to get it all together. And, and uh, he's he's it's, it seems like he's a guy that's out of I don't know, Brian, I listened to him in the press conference and he just seems like a guy that's like out of ideas, out of out of excuses. He doesn't know what to say anymore. He doesn't say it's on me anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked that that because he used to say that after every game, but now he's not even saying that. You know his his new quip is uh, it's not my job. So <laughs> you know you, you know the infamous quote from last week about you know you know whether or not he should have called timeout or whether it was his job to call timeout. Going back to that, but uh, you know we're stuck with him for at least you know going through this season, of course, next season. And possibly going into the third season, you know, then you get to a point to where you've got a year left on your deal and, you know, you're not owed that much money so you can cut him and, you know, and move on from him. I really do think that Bill O'Brien can thrive much better in college. He had a lot of success at Penn State. But again, a lot of coaches have had success at Penn State. They just recruit well. Players want to be in that program. But I, I think that I, his his mindset and just his philosophy and how he works with players would be better suited for the college game. Okay. Well, that's good. He's uh, he's coaching the Texans for the next few years, so uh, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> it's a professional team. Yeah. <laughs> I heard. <laughs> what What did you want us to talk about? Email LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If we didn't mention something that you wanted, you can also reach us on Twitter, of course, and Facebook uh, at LockedOnTexans on Twitter. Uh, again, it's email LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If you enjoy the show, tell your friends. Tell them to find us on Spotify, the Google Podcast app, and iTunes. Support us by sharing our show links with your social media followers and take a few seconds to rate us on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. You can get more Texans content on our website, LockedOnTexans.com. You can find more of Brian's work on the Texans, Astros and Rockets on HouseOfHouston.com. Keep a listen for me on Houston Sports Talk where I talk Astros and Rockets. It's my Houston Sports Talk podcast. I co-host it with RG Seal. Going to have a couple of guests this week, including it looks like David Weiner from uh, the Rockets. Uh, you guys know him as Bima Thug on Twitter, but he knows his Rockets forwards and backwards. I'm going to talk with him this week. I'm going to talk some Cougars as well. So stay tuned for that. Got a nice Cougars guest. Uh, UH uh, one uh, one loss this week, but a, a big win last week against the University of Arizona. But that's all we got. For this Locked On Texans, as always, thanks for making us a part of your week. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Get up, get up.